When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Minnesota leading Winnipeg 1-0 at the start of the second period. Those are two teams the Oilers are going to play on the weekend. Panthers and Hurricanes are scoreless halfway through the first period. The Oilers are going to play those uh, two teams on their next road trip. Coming up later tonight, the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. Big showdown there. The Golden Knights introducing Jack Eichel to the lineup. And at 7.30 tonight, it is the Ducks and the Flames. The Calgary Flames deadly lately. They have won seven in a row. They are ahead of Vegas by a point for first in the Pacific Division with two games in hand. And the Ducks now tied with the Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings for third in the Pacific, though the Oilers are placed third because they have games in hand on both the Kings and the Ducks. And then don't forget, the Ducks are here tomorrow night. Rogers Place, 7 o'clock for the start of the game. Our coverage on 6.30, Chad, will start at 5.30. So some important NHL games to watch tonight and a huge, huge game at the Olympics. It starts in three hours, 9-10 Mountain, Olympic gold, women's hockey, of course, it's Canada against the United States. That is going to be a big one. The Oilers today did not practice. Obviously, got back really late. Uh, for Well, I, how do you look at really late or really early this morning from Los Angeles? I think Stoffer was saying they landed well after uh, 4 a.m. So no practice today for the Oilers. They'll have a morning skate tomorrow. They did do, as expected, Stuart Skinner coming off his first career shutout in the National Hockey League gets uh, sent back to the Bakersfield Condors and Miko Koskinen has been activated. So, I, you know, I would guess Smith tomorrow and then they split on the weekend, but uh, we'll see how they shake down tomorrow at the morning skate. So the quick update there for your Edmonton Oilers and looking forward to that women's game later on tonight. The Canadian men eliminated this morning 2 nothing. Sweden winning Anton Lander. Yes, the former Edmonton Oiler got the empty net goal that iced it for Sweden as uh, they advanced to the semifinals. Uh, obviously, with the no NHLers in the tournament, a different complexion for the Olympic Games. We're still hoping Canada would do well. Uh, under other circumstances, you know, obviously we had a late game last night. I think Rob and I went uh, almost till 1230 with overtime open line. Under other circumstances, I, I, I might have got up and watched that entire game. Wasn't up for 6.30, saw basically the third period and uh, full marks to Sweden for that victory. It got me thinking, uh, with the with the f- funny time zones and all that kind of stuff, um, I, I remember back to, and I, and I double-checked the date, it was February 20th, 1998. 1998 Olympics, of course, the first time ever that NHLers competed in the tournament. So, huge deal. Canada makes it to the semifinals and uh, they are playing the uh, the Czech Republic. And this game was on, I, I, I think it started at 1.30 in the morning, something like that. It was definitely overall on overnight because I was a Nate student and I'm thinking I'm, I am not missing this game. This is NHLers in the Olympics. 
you know, who knows what's going to happen. It's been so long since Canada's won a gold medal. So I, I thought I'm watching this game. I'm not missing this game. And I, I knew a few of my classmates were like, yeah, we're going to watch. Um, so, uh, and, and it ended, it ended poorly for Canada. Uh, obviously Dominic Hasek was awesome for the Canadian team. Trevor Linden tied it with a minute three left in regulation time. Uh, it was one, one eventually went to a shootout. And uh, you know what happened? Robert Reichel got the only goal on Patrick Waugh. Hasek stopped everybody, and and that was it. Canada was out in the semifinals. Uh, I I had to. I mean, a lot of people remember Ray Bork was picked to shoot, and uh, Wayne Gretzky wasn't. And I, I couldn't remember all five shooters, so I looked it up. It was Theo Fleury, then Ray Bork, then Joe Newendike, then Eric Lindros, and then Brendan Shanahan. Those were the uh, the five shooters for Canada in that game. So anyway, I, I remember, so whatever, till whatever hour in the morning, staying up and then going to school first thing in the morning and j- just seeing the other people in the class who were hockey fans and just sort of beyond words, just looking at each other and sort of that, oh, crap. Can, like, can you believe, like, we didn't, how, what happened? So, now, I don't know if, I don't know, how many of you have been adjusting your sleep schedules for, for the, for these Olympics? I, I feel for me, and maybe I've just become a jaded old curmudgeon, which is very possible. I, I feel for me, the Olympics, um, it, it, I guess it's not as appointment viewing as it would have been for me when I was younger. Certainly the Vancouver Olympics, I, I would say I watched extensively. Well, it was only a time zone off. Um, there's obviously been some incredible uh, Olympic stories. I, I was saying last night to John Shannon on the face-off show after uh, the late game on Monday, I stayed up and the women's team pursuit speed skating was on. So I watched that and Canada got a gold medal when a Japanese skater fell down right before the finish line. So there are great moments. There's, there's a lot to watch. I just feel uh, perhaps not as willing to adjust my, my sleep schedule as I, as I would have been in the past. And now you can always find highlights, watch things online, or everything is, is replayed throughout the day if there's a big moment for your country. But uh, I've just been, now maybe it's because the Oilers didn't wind up taking a break. I, I probably would be having a different experience if the NHL had indeed shut down and sent players. I probably would have been watching more of the, well, I would have been watching more of the hockey tournament and maybe as a result, uh, watching other events as well. I, I also find, and I, I, I want to, I want to word this very carefully because I, 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 I realize how it might come across. And I, so I want to say I have, as someone who has covered sports most of my adult life and interviews people from, from all different sports and, and pursuits and, and uh, you know, levels of sport and all that kind of stuff, I have huge respect for Olympic athletes. They, they dedicate themselves. You know the story. There's, there's often a lot, you know, not a lot of funding. They might sacrifice other career pursuits or still be pursuing a career while they're still doing high-level training and all that kind of stuff. But I also find when I turn on the Olympics, uh, I don't understand a lot of the events. And that, that's probably on me, but I, I don't know uh, exactly what's happening if I'm watching the, 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 the freestyle skiing big air or the, or the small air or the media-sized air or the – you know, freestyle skiing, frog style skiing. I, I, I just don't understand all of it. Now, again, I appreciate the athletes. I appreciate their dedication. 
Uh, but I was watching, I think it was a snowboarding event the other day, and I, I honestly didn't know if it was judged, if it was timed, if it was a little bit of both, if it, if it was one run, if it was best out of four. I just didn't understand it. So I guess that's on me to learn that. But I just feel with the Olympics, we're often engaging with sports we don't engage on, uh, engage with the, the rest of the time in, in the four years in between. So again, maybe that's uh, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's a, a flaw I have. And and again, probably would have do, do, been more into the Olympics had the Oilers not been playing a very busy schedule because that tends to uh, occupy a lot of my time. But I just find in the Winter Olympics, and I, they've added a lot of sports over the years, which is good. But now I feel they're they're breaking down everything into all these little subsections, and it's like, okay, what is this versus what is this? I, I'm not totally sure. But still, I'm glad you know there's been some incredible Canadian stories, which is pretty cool. All right, you can get in touch, 780-496-0063. The hotline is presented by Certain Teed Professional-Grade Building Materials. If you want to tell me if you're watching a lot of the Olympics, what you like, what you don't like, too many events, not enough events, are, are you sacrificing sleep to watch things live? Or are you uh, are you finding it hard to follow everything? That's uh, one thing we can talk about tonight for sure if you want to have a little fun discussion about that. And of course, we're going to dive deeper into uh, the Edmonton Oilers and their recent success as we move along tonight. Uh, speaking of that women's gold medal game, though, uh, Jennifer Botterill played in four Olympic finals herself, now working in broadcasting. Uh, here's her preview of what's going on tonight. Canada, uh, they're going into this with a lot of confidence. We have seen them play so strong offensively. And I, I think the big storyline with Team Canada going into the Olympics and, and what they've carried through is that this is a team that has taken the team first mentality. That they went into the Olympic Games with saying, whatever your experience, whatever your role is on this team, it's all about putting the team first. And everyone that I've spoken to and following the team throughout this experience, I think that's been a collective buy-in, you know, and they had conversations with leadership group, with, with the entire team to say, you know what, if, even if you're a young player and this is your first Olympic Games, come in and have an impact. You know, don't feel like you're a rookie or a first-year player. Come in and be great. And I think we've seen this team come in and play really well. So, look, you know, the depth, too, I think that's a big thing for Canada is the depth that we've seen um, from all of the lines. Uh, and so, uh, I think that's a big one. For the U.S., an interesting storyline is it looks like they may start Cavallini in goal. Um, some of us thought Maddie Rooney might be getting the start um, come the, the playoff round and the medal round here, uh, but they've gone with Cavallini, which, which leads us to believe she may start in the gold medal game. Uh, so that's a big factor to see if she can play well um, against Canada. The U.S. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's still really fast and really skilled, uh, but I do think Canada's coming into this with just a p.m. tonight, Canada and the United States. Quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Puts it inside of the net, Fogel. Oh, to Nugent Hopkins. 
Hopkins and Hopkins puts it in, and the Oilers have a 2-1 lead. So come to the left wing point. Dowdy's going to keep it in. Got it in behind the net. Centered in front scores. on the point. Oh, shoot, a high riser blocked out. He lets it go. Great stop by Smith. And he holds on to it. On the right wing point, Barry, low to dry settle in front. Yamamoto scores! Kyler Yamamoto! He gets it by Peterson. And the Oilers are up. 3-2. Front of the net to no. Oh, what a save by Smith! And the puck goes to the side of the net. It is underneath loose and getting it out 2-1-1 Hyman with McDavid is center here's Hyman empty net scores the Edmonton Oilers with a 4-2 lead he's gonna get it out he'll bounce it over to Kane he'll shoot scores Evander Kane the empty netter off the left wing and the Oilers are up 5-2 my main man, Cam Moon, with the call last night here on 6.30. Chad, the Oilers toughing out a 5-2 win over the Los Angeles Kings. Obviously a closer game than that with a couple of empty netters late. So here we are. The Oilers are 3-0 and since Jay Woodcroft took over. It was, uh, well, it was a week ago tonight. The Oilers had that really disappointing loss to Chicago. And then uh, a week ago tomorrow morning since they made the coaching change. So Woodcroft, clearly a different approach in a couple of areas and it's been to me theme number one that the the ice time is more evenly distributed even though they've been going with 11 forwards and seven defensemen it hasn't just been heaping the ice time on dry mcdavid and nugent hopkins though so, uh mcdavid and nuge got up to around 21 minutes last night dry up to 23 but lower uh, minutes in the two previous wins, the wins over San Jose and against the New York Islanders and trying to get other players involved. And and this was, th- this was my personal, and you, you know this, if you've listened to the show at all in the past, my personal number one criticism of Dave Tippett was that I, I think to some extent, the bottom six players were maybe a little disenfranchised, not feeling like they had a huge impact on the outcome of the game. And, Rob Brown has talked about it. A lot of former players were talk about it, that if you're not getting at least somewhat of a regular shift, it's pretty hard to go out there and get into the flow of the game and do something when you are on the ice. I mean, obviously depth players accept they're not going to play as much or they might play more in specific situations, but to play just a couple of minutes a period, three minutes a period, and have long gaps in between your ice time, that's going to hurt your hand's going to hurt how you're able to get out there and skate and get into the flow of the game. And I think there is no better example of that than Derek Ryan, who last night played 14.09. He got an assist against San Jose. He played 13.14. He got an assist, almost had a goal. And against the New York Islanders, he was not on the score sheet, but he did play 15.13, which was his uh, second highest ice time total of the season. He only played more back in that game in uh, Seattle in December where the Oilers were short a few players. The previous two games, the final two games under Dave Tippett, uh, Ryan played 7.20. He played nine minutes. He did have some games up around 11 or 12, but he had several games where he played fewer than 10 minutes. I doubt that is going to happen with him under Jay Woodcroft if he if he keeps playing well. Now, here's the other thing. Um, it, the Oilers are still basically a three-line team or maybe fair to say a 10-forward team. Devin Shore only played about two and a half minutes last night. 
basically as the uh, as the team's eleventh forward. But that that is a huge change, and and the balance of the ice time for the defenseman. There are some younger guys on D. The Oilers need other guys to contribute. You got Duncan Keith out. You got Chris Russell out. Two veteran players not available. But Niemalainen, Broberg, Lagesson, even Evan Bouchard, who's had his ice time cut back a little bit, you know, more all in the low to mid-teens, um, as opposed to Bouchard getting up into the low to mid-20s. Now, we've seen CeCe play a lot in one game. Nurse, of course, is going to play quite a bit most of the time. But that is change number one, is that there's more balance um, with the ice time, and I think ultimately that is going to help some of those depth players. I think they're going to feel more responsibility. I think they're going to feel more involved in the game, and I think they're going to play a little better, and I think that line of Fogel, Nugent Hopkins, and Ryan has been pretty effective over the past three games. But this leads to the question, and the phone lines are open for you to discuss the Oilers. It is, are you, do you think this is a sign of real change that, okay, this is some concrete stuff that is happening that even after three games we can measure, or are you still maybe not totally convinced? And are you still worried that this is just the dead cat bounce? And that's where a team makes a coaching change and they play better and they look good and they look like, oh yeah, they got new energy, but then maybe in 10 or 15 games, you're reminded, oh yeah, that's the same roster that wasn't doing very well. And now they're going to regress to that. I, I think that's a valid conversation to have about the orders after three games. And, and again, I do think there have been some concrete changes under Jay Woodcroft that if they last could be very positive. But I realize maybe not everybody has bought in. 780-496-0063. If you'd like to check in on that, of course, we'll keep you updated on the uh, out-of-town scoreboard. Some games affecting the Oilers underway or about to get underway tonight. And uh, also want to let you know between 7 and 7.30 tonight, one of the newest members of the Edmonton Elks, he signed as a defensive back, Deron Carter, is going to check in. It's Inside Sports on Chet, back after the news and weather. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.